0: There are some pieces of information that all of us need to know, and then there's other pieces of information eh, we don't really need to know all that well. For example, information I don't need to know, why copper piping has been phased out and been replaced by PVC. Information I do need to know, how much is it going to cost to fix the leak in my bathroom? Information I, I don't really need to know, The fresh sushi on our menu is on sale today. Information I do need to know, do you have anything that's actually cooked on your menu to eat today? Information I don't need to know, if you had stopped and asked for directions an hour ago, we'd already be there. Information I do need to know, okay, but how do we get there from here? There is information That we all need to know and other information that we don't need to know all that much. Adam and Eve needed to know the difference. They made the mistake of following some information they did not need instead of following the information that all of us need. We're going to see this played out here in the first verses of Genesis chapter 3. Very familiar story. It's been given different titles over the years. Some have called this the account of the fall of man. Others have called this the account of original sin. Some have called it the account of exactly what did you think was going to happen when you did that. Okay, I made that last one up. But you get the idea. Adam and Eve's disobedience not only forced them to leave a really nice neighborhood, it set the stage for everything that is wrong with our world today. So that makes this passage an important passage to understand. Not that there are any passages in the Bible that aren't important to understand, but but this one is essential. It's vital for us to understand today what happened in the Garden of Eden and the impact that it still has on us today. So let's go back. Let's start at the beginning. God created Adam and Eve and placed them in an absolutely perfect place. Now think about that. They had everything that they needed, everything. They did not have things they did not need. They had no guilt, no shame, no regrets. Nobody ever said, we know those were the good old days, because today was always great. It was an amazing place until something happened. A snake started talking. We find the account here in Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? My grandmother used to say if she had been Eve, this would not have been a problem because before the serpent had said anything, she would have whacked its head off with a garden hoe. And I saw her dispatch a few snakes just like that. So I think she's probably right. But this was the Garden of Eden. And there were no animals. This was another thing that that was not in the Garden of Eden. None of the animals, including the snakes, posed a threat to Adam and Eve. There was no fear of any of the animals. The snake here is identified as a crafty one. And his words prove it. He starts off with words that should have been a clue to Eve. Hey, maybe I don't need to listen to this. He starts off with this question, did God really say? Now, biblical scholars have argued through the years whether the word used in Genesis for serpent is just another word for Satan, whether Satan embodied the snake, or whether Satan just found the closest animal and and used it. No matter, the fingerprints of Satan are all over this. Notice how the temptation begins. The temptation does not begin with fruit in hand, or I guess the snake didn't have hands, maybe fruit on head. I don't know where a snake would put fruit, but it doesn't begin with that. The temptation begins by questioning God. By wondering, is this really what God says? Or what the serpent was actually asking was, is what God says really true. That's where sin starts. It doesn't start with something that's obviously evil that we immediately identify as wrong. No, temptation starts by wondering whether or not what God has said is right. We can know something right here now. If there is something that questions God's word or that contradicts God's word, it's not God's word. If something makes you wonder whether or not the Bible is true or accurate or reliable or relevant, you can know from that moment that it's not from God. Adam and Eve should have known from the very first words out of the serpent's mouth. There is no way this is right. Anything that questions God is not from God. Now don't misunderstand. God wants us to ask questions. Because God can answer our questions. If you don't think that God wants us to ask our questions, just read the book of Psalms. Over and over the psalmist asks of God some very difficult questions. The psalmist cries out to God, why does it seem like evil prospers? The psalmist cries out to God, why have your enemies seem to have overcome those who are following you? The psalmist cries out to God, God, why are you silent? But there's a big difference between the question that the psalmist asks and the question we hear in Genesis chapter 3. The difference isn't the question. The difference is the psalmist asked God. Eve and Adam, who was standing right there by her, he should have known better too, they could have stopped this entirely if they simply would have taken this question to God. God. And said, God, is this what you mean? Is is this what you've said? Help us to understand your word. Had they taken this question to God, the temptation would have ended right there. But that's not what they do. Instead, Eve tries to answer the question herself. So let's stop right here. God invites your questions. He wants your questions. He invites you to come to Him with the things about this world that you and I just don't understand. We can always go to Him and find in Him the answers that we need. When you have questions about the Bible, the blessed place to take them is to the Bible. Don't question the Bible without actually knowing what it says. Take your questions about God's Word to God's Word. The Bible never contradicts itself. And as you take your questions to God's Word, you'll see revealed within His Word exactly what it is you're looking for. Again, that's not what Eve does. Instead, she tries to answer the serpent's question herself. Let's go back to the story. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafted than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Well, there's a problem here. They both got it wrong. God didn't say what the serpent said. God did not forbid Adam and Eve from eating from any of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden. God never said that. But He also didn't say what Eve said that He said. He also never said that you must not touch the tree. In the midst of the garden, what did God say? Well, let's go back and find out. Genesis chapter two, verse 16. That's what Eve should have done. She should have gone back to well, what did God really say? Here's what he really said. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die not any tree just one specific tree and nothing about touching it just if you eat it you will surely die so what's the big deal it's simple if you're going to say that god said something you better make sure that's actually what he said that's the way cults get started that's the way false religions get started they they take What God said and twist it around and make it become something it was never intended to be. It's the way people dismiss their own sin. It's the way we sometimes judge others in ways that we shouldn't. We we make God's word say things that it never said. The best way to avoid Adam and Eve's mistake is to know God's word. And to know the God of the word. Let's look at both of those today. First of all, we need to learn to love God's word. We need to learn to love the Bible. Find ways that you can study God's word, that you can study the Bible in ways that you actually will do it. And that's different for different people. Different tools, different techniques. Some people, it works for one person, doesn't work for another one. Find the one that works for you. We live in an age where there are all kinds of wonderful tools that are available to help us study God's Word. Many of them at very little or even no cost whatsoever. One no-cost solution, become a part of a a Bible study group. We have lots of them here at National Heights. Become a part of a group where you can gather with other believers and and just dig a little bit deeper into God's Word. Learn more about what He has to say. Find out ways to apply it to your life. Make some time each day to study God's Word. Again, if you're going to say God's Word that says something, you need to actually read it and find out what did God actually say. So take some time. To look in God's Word, here's a, another no cost way that you can study God's Word. You don't have to buy any books, you don't have to go on the internet. You can just take the Bible, take 15 minutes, and, and read a passage in the Bible. You might read just one verse, you might read two, you might read ten, just to take 15 minutes, kind of read through, and, and then take a piece of paper. And write down what that passage said to you. What do you think that passage means? And ask God to help you. Ask God to reveal to you. What is it that you're saying in your word? And and what does this mean for me? And then just write it down. The more you know God's word, the better you're going to be able to recognize when Satan is twisting God's word you'll see temptation for the counterfeit it really is. So one thing we all need to do, we all need to learn to love God's Word. But second, we need to know the God of the Word. Folks, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the less tasty the forbidden fruit is going to seem to be in this world. If Eve would have just stopped for a minute as she heard this snake questioning the truthfulness of God, if she just would have stopped and thought for a minute, now wait a minute, God has given me everything. He's provided this garden. There's nothing that I don't need. God's provided everything that I could possibly desire. Everything is right here. If she just would have thought for a minute about who gave her all of that, she would have realized that God would never lie. That God would have never misled her. And Adam should have realized the same thing. The serpent's words should have fallen on deaf ears. The only reason the serpent had any success but was because he succeeded in making Adam and Eve question if God really loved them. If we will focus on Christ, we will always know how much he loves us. And his command won't be an obligation. We'll see it as the very best for our life, the more we see the glory of Jesus, the less we will look at the fool's gold of this world. The best guard against temptation we could possibly have is to know God's word and to know the God of the word. Talking serpents won't have a chance so I invite you to take the challenge this week this week just try it out for seven days each day take 15 minutes find a passage in the Bible if you're wondering about where to start the Gospel of John's a great place to start the teachings of Jesus you, you, you can't get any better than that and, and spend about 10 minutes of that 15 minutes just reading a passage and maybe you'll just want to focus on even just one verse that's okay just in that ten minutes, you, you read what you feel comfortable reading through. Read what you can can begin to understand. And then as you come to the conclusion of reading for ten minutes, just take a moment and write down, okay, what did that passage mean to me? How's my life going to be different today because I just read that? Or, or what does this passage say about what God thinks about my life? What, what does this passage say about who God is? What does this passage say about... What God desires for our world to be. Just write down. You'll be amazed as you come to know God's Word and as you come to know the God of the Word, how it will transform the way you see everything else. Let me pray with you this morning. Heavenly Father, we face a lot of questions in our world. And God, we thank you that we can bring those questions to you. In fact, you invite us into your presence. You have said in your word, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. that braideth not, and it shall be given. Lord, you invite us to bring our questions to you. As we do so, Heavenly Father, we'll not get the world's wisdom. We'll get real wisdom from you. God, help us to bring our questions to your word. You have revealed your will within the scripture. And so help us to see it that way, to understand just how amazing this book is that you've given us in the Bible. Help us to fall in love with your word and help us to fall in love with you, the God of the word. Help us to see the temptations of this world for what they really are. And the only way we can do that is if we know you. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.